there are a lot of things about the Central Christian Church family that I appreciate. And I was just thinking this morning how much I appreciate the uh, thought, the, the planning that goes into what we are doing here right now, this morning. Have you noticed that? Just notice the, the thinking and the care that has gone into that. It's because it matters so much what we do here. And I just, uh, from word go here today, have appreciated that. Things behind the scenes you don't see as well that are happening happening and helping our worship time to be good and pleasing to God. I uh, appreciate the things John shared this morning. I appreciate uh, uh, Brian getting up and having us help him quote Psalm 136. You know, these new repetitive songs, they're going to have to do something about those, aren't they? That's an old repetitive song, by the way. And you know what John said about meeting Jesus in baptism, uh, I wanted to start this morning just by telling you some great news. We've got good news that we get to share as a church family. Within the past week, two different ladies have been baptized uh, here at Central. Uh, Phyllis Drella. Phyllis is right down here, uh, Ruth's good friend who's been coming with her for some months. Ruth, she was baptized this week. And Luisa Harris, uh, Yaris, Luisa Yaris was baptized this past week. And th there's more, okay? <laughs> Today, Sue Crabb is planning to be baptized at the end of our services. And so that's great news. And, and I want to start out with those good things in front of us and have those in mind. Three ladies buried with Christ, meeting Jesus at baptism. He says, I'll meet you there. And they met him there. And I'm thankful for that today. Raised to walk up in the newness of life. That's pretty good, isn't it? And today at the end of this message, we're going to invite other people to do the same thing. And if that's something that you've been considering, I want to ask you to consider it really hard today. Starting right now. And I want you, if you would, if you've never made that commitment to Christ, to come up with your best reason not to do that. And then about 30 minutes from now, I want you to see if that is still a good enough reason not to follow Jesus with your whole heart starting today. I'm going to ask you about that. So I want us to consider today one more reason to follow Jesus. That's where I'm headed. And the reason isn't because, get this, the reason is not because everything about life in Jesus is always great. We're not peddling that here. In fact, the reason is more because life here on planet Earth is sometimes not so great. And like always, not everything is coming up roses and daffodils. And this week, as I've been, by the way, mostly home taking care of my wife after surgery, we've been numbering together some of the things that are weighing people down. I need to let you know, uh, Joe Cruden has been in the hospital for the past week, and yesterday, Joe passed away. Joe went to be with his Lord. He's met Jesus. And other families of Central have had to deal with deaths recently. That is a weight that people right here this morning are carrying around. We need to be conscious of that. Today is Naomi Schatz, last Sunday with us here at Central. And that's a heavy thing. 
Uh, Naomi's been here, our secretary, for 25 years. That's a lot of putting up with the staff here. And that, you know, we're going to miss Naomi just because of the things that she's done around Central over the years, and we're going to be faced with the burden of filling the gap that is left by her leaving. We'll forgive her for that, but she's going on to a good thing. Uh, Another family, the Huffingtons, are going to be moving away to Florida, and we're going to miss them. You know, they're a couple who has been bringing their grandkids with them over the years to make sure that they would be here among the Lord's people. Dick has overseen and helped run our transportation ministry, and guess what? There's another gap. It's going to need to be filled. When we sit and go over the list of needs in the church family, it seems like there are a lot of people right now who are facing surgeries and diseases. I counted at least nine who are either dealing with or have family dealing with cancer. Those are heavy things to carry. And you know what? I hear over and over this same line from God's people. I don't know how people without the Lord or without the church family get through these things. Me either. And that's a good reason to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Not because life in Jesus will always be just great, but because life here on earth will not always be great, whether you're following Jesus or not. And you need help. I need help. Been various times in our church family when it seems like a lot of people are carrying around a heavy load, and this past week added to that added to that load the brutal outbreak of a war between Israel and Gaza. And unfortunately, the world is going to be more familiar again with what it seems like for a lot of people to be at war. Nobody wants it. But here it comes, and it'll impact us at least indirectly, and it should impact us directly in the heart. So we add that weight to the weight of what people are carrying around already today. Well, today as we're looking at the last chapter of Ephesians, I want to wrap up this series in chapter 6 of Ephesians. I want us to see in there what I consider to be a great help for the times that we're living in. You see, as it turns out, there has been a war going on all along, not just this past week, and there has been a war that goes on all around us, not just in the Middle East or other far-off countries. In fact, it's the real war that is behind every war that has ever erupted on earth, a war in the heavenly places. And I want to tell you that we're not helpless in this. Not at all. That's what chapter 6 of Ephesians is about. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're engaged in a spiritual conflict. 
When Adam and Eve first sinned by eating the fruit that God had forbidden in the garden, it wasn't just because they happened to be hungry that day. There was a spiritual dimension to their choice, wasn't there? There was Satan himself there. There was disrespecting what God had said. There was deceit. There was a lie. There was someone buying into it. There was an enemy who studied them and used the vulnerability of those that he wanted to harm. And then he carried it out against them with a plan. Sound familiar? Been hearing it in the news this week. James says in James chapter 1, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. If you've spent any time trying to understand the war in Israel right now, you've likely heard somebody talking about what's behind all of this. It doesn't happen on a whim or by coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence that thousands of militants crossed into Israel and wreaked havoc on military and civilian people. There was something behind that. Paul tells us here in Ephesians, there is a conflict that has been going on in the world before he wrote this letter to Ephesus. And it's not a blood and flesh struggle. It is happening in that place that we have been talking about as we go through this letter, the heavenly places, the unseen realm, a real place, just one that we don't see. But we certainly can see the results of it, can't we? Our enemy unseen has some kind of chain of command he talks about rulers authorities cosmic powers over this present darkness spiritual forces of evil and for every negative outcome that we see there is a conflict in the heavenly places that has been at work trying to encourage that every time someone dies we would do well to remember that it was because of the choice to sin that death entered the world in the first place. It doesn't belong here. Paul said in Romans 5, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. That's how it got started. The same is true for every other physical outcome that we see, for every lawless act, for every lie that was ever uttered, for every time someone cheated on a spouse, every murder, every swindler, every bit of drunkenness, every act of pride, every act of hate, all of those are sins that lead to our destruction forever. There is something behind that. There is an enemy in the spiritual realm whose goal is our destruction. He has several names, Satan, the enemy, the deceiver, the accuser, the father of lies, the serpent, the evil one, the ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And his power isn't just like physical enemies have power, it's beyond that, although you could often see what happens to people when they give in, give in to his spiritual attacks. So Paul would write to the Corinthians, Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power 
to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Doesn't sound like a, a flesh and blood fight, does it? Too often we try to approach the conflict that we're engaged in, this conflict in the heavenly places with physical tools. But the way we deal with this conflict needs to be matched to the war. Folks, I don't want to be caught bringing a knife to a gunfight. 1898, America determined to go to war with Spain. Some troops gathered to train in Florida and then shipped down to Cuba. Among them was one Colonel Theodore Roosevelt and a division of volunteer cavalrymen nicknamed the Rough Riders. Very photogenic group. But did you know that when the Rough Riders' time to ship out to Cuba came, there wasn't room on the transport ships for all their horses? In fact, only one horse, one of Roosevelt's two horses, made it to Cuba. And as the Rough Riders assaulted Kettle Hill, only Theodore Roosevelt was on a horse. Everyone else was on foot. And he had to leave his horse behind when they encountered barbed wire. So the Rough Riders were rough runners. But, you know, that didn't make as neat of a story or as glorious of a painting. Fake news has been around for a long time. The Rough Riders were the rough runners. The whole war with Spain is a good example of not using methods that are matched to the conflict. Our men were sent down to the hot Spanish uh, climate wearing their winter clothes. The army supplied them with beef. Controversial beef that some record was adulterated by its preservatives. One official referred to it as embalmed beef. Lots of the troops became sick just from that. They had little training for life in that part of the world. They used bad health measures. They had faulty medical knowledge. At one time, 75% of the troops in Cuba had malaria or yellow fever. From that 300 people or so died in battle. Ten times that amount died from disease. You see, the methods weren't very matched to the kind of war they were engaging in. Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood because the nature of the conflict is not just of the flesh. And I want to tell you this morning that if you're trying to beat your addiction without the Lord's help, you're taking the wrong approach. If you're trying to keep your kids on track without making sure that their spirits are aligned with Jesus, you're missing the most important tools. If you're trying to have a successful marriage without first giving attention to your personal relationship to Jesus Christ, you're going to miss it. If we as a church are making all of our efforts just accomplish what we can see or touch, if, if what we do as Central Christian Church is just all about programs and attendance and planning, but not about growing up in Jesus Christ, not about you and your relationship with Jesus being number one in your life, and about bringing people into that relationship, if that isn't what we're focused on, 
We're going to lose the war in far too many ways. Amen? It is a spiritual conflict in the heavenly places. So it's got to be fought in the right way. Here's something else I see in this chapter, and I mean this should encourage us, and that is that we have a spiritual armory. As Paul writes this letter, he is, remember, a prisoner of Rome. He is chained to a soldier 24-7. Look at verse 20, where he refers to himself as an ambassador in chains. He would have seen Roman armor up close, continuously, for a couple of years at least. So it's pretty easy for me to picture Paul with a captive audience. <laughs> Who was chained to whom? Looking at that soldier as he wrote this, these next verses, starting in verse 13. He writes, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Well, just like the conflict in the heavenly places is very real, so are the tools that God gives to us to be able to win this conflict. There's a list of the whole armor of God, what followers of Jesus have to protect us against Satan, tools which he does not have. One of the things I notice right away about the armor of God is that there's not one piece of it to cover your backside. It's all about confronting the enemy and standing, and standing firm. I wish that I had time to go over each one and speak about them this morning. It's a really interesting study to, to look at how these all line up with the parts of armor that Paul is talking about as he writes this. And without trying to say how each one resembles the piece of armor that Paul describes, I want to just get them up in front of us for a moment. I want you to take a look at our armor that Paul describes. Truth, righteousness, readiness from the gospel, faith salvation, the word of God, and prayer. All of these things, take a look at them, all of these things are somehow from God or are God-dependent or God-centered. Even having faith means having faith in whom? God, not yourself, God. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. Prayer, prayer is directed to God, it's not just some wishful thoughts that you toss out into the air. It's pointless if it's not directed to God. 
So all of these things are from and directed to God. Things for us to use to be able to stand firm. Just like a soldier would have his head and his midsection covered and have a belt to hold things together and have a shield to protect him and have a sword for face-to-face combat and have studded cleats on his sandals so he would have firm footing. All of these things are there. Keeping open communication with the commander, there. What we need for attack in this serious spiritual war. Paul says about these things, look at the words, we're supposed to take it up. It literally means we're supposed to get it on board. It's not your own accomplishment, but neither does it force itself on you. You've got to look at the words, you've got to take it up, you've got to put it on, you've got to fasten it on, you've got to bind it under. Those are the words he uses talking about this armor. Verse 2. In the King James Version, says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Seems like there are some followers of Jesus who like that translation and like to stop that verse a little early and just say, For we wrestle not. I count, though, at least 12 times in this passage that we looked at today, 12 times that it's implied or outrightly commanded that we're supposed to do something. Do something. So why bother with this? Look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know, looking at the pictures coming out of Israel and Gaza, doesn't take much, does it, to realize that they are at war Would you look at that and would you say about them, boy, they've got some serious maintenance issues there? Or would you look at that and you would say, would you say, oh, boys will be boys? Look around at our own town. Look deeper than usual. It doesn't take much to realize there is a war going on every day in the heavenly places. And I challenge you to look it in the eye. Look into the empty eyes. Look at families in shambles. Look at the anger. Look at the hopelessness in people's lives. What would you say about that? Then, in your mind's eye, look again at a man who is also God, hanging on a cross outside of Jerusalem, He's Jesus, and he's fighting war in the heavenly places, and he's winning. You and I are now fighting in a great battle in the war for souls that began shortly after man was created. The war has been won, but there are battles to be fought before it will be over. Some of those are being fought, by the way, right now in here, right now. So will there be victory or will there be defeat? I'm glad you asked that. It depends on two factors. The first one is this. Will God do his part? He's made this full armor available to us. He has given us, as it says in the scriptures, everything that we need for life and godliness. Will God do his part? Yes, God will do his part. 
The second factor is this. Will you do your part? You see, if you're not doing this, I can figure there's only one of two things going on. Either you're not convinced that there is a serious struggle for your soul going on right now, or you think that there is, but you think that you can handle it on your own. Either way, you lose. You know, I said at the beginning, I wanted to point out another good reason to become a follower of Jesus today. I hope that you've seen it. Here it is, if you didn't catch it. In the unseen conflict around us, followers of Jesus have all we need to stand firm. Do you believe it? I also asked you at the beginning of this message, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, to think of your one best reason that you have for not giving your whole heart to Jesus and to see now if it still holds. Is there really a good reason not to follow Jesus this morning? From what I understand in God's word today, what we've looked at is another good reason that we need to follow him. And I hope that's on your heart right now. We're going to do our time here at the end a little bit different this morning. We've set aside some time in our worship time today like we're going to once a month every month for prayer. And we're going to be led in that here in just a moment. But here at this time, we want to give an invitation. And so I'm going to ask you just to stand. Here's why. Because before you can walk forward, you've got to stand up. So if most of you are standing up, see, it's already easier for somebody to make it to the front. And if you're here today and want to accept Jesus and follow him, if you want to be baptized into him and start a new life in him, this is a time that we have set aside for you to come. And so start now. Start walking to the front right now. In this quietness, if, if you're thinking of that, this is the moment to do that. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And if you want to walk up during the prayer and, and hear your standing, great. Let's bow our heads together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for these words that have been uh, written for us, not just for those Christians in the first century who were reading them and needed them, but we recognize that as much, perhaps more than ever, we need to see the truth of what's going on around us. Especially, Lord, to be reminded of the good news that you have given us everything that we need to stand firm in this struggle. So we thank you today for being uh, the God that you are, the one who knew ahead what we would need and prepared in advance for us to have that. Father, thank you for lives that are changed because of the decision to follow you. To your glory, to the praise of your glory, we want that to continue. And so even right now we pray uh, that you would help those who are struggling, those who are feeling this conflict, who know that the evil one is against them, to be victorious, to step forward and say, enough, I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you give us this opportunity right now, and we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.